self-care, family needs, project management, awareness and communication, finding time to take a shower, all these things discussed on today's episode of Family Time. We're processing through our different outlooks on mental checklists and managing our mental task load. I ask my family, how has culture and gender contributed to our point of view? I'm Annalise Lucero, and this is The Good, The Bad, The Family. Welcome to the second episode of Family Time. I'm so excited to be joined by my family today to talk about mental checklists. So um, today is my first episode with my mom. So I thought I'd let her introduce herself and share a little bit about who she is, and then we'll welcome everybody else. Okay. Hi, my name is Angie. I am Annalise's mother, and um, I'm excited to be here today. Um, I am just a recent retired massage therapist, so my interests revolve around healing and more the metaphysical world, I would say. Um, as a healer. So I'm excited to see what their mental checklist is and compare it to mine. It's Ooh, kind of exciting. Awesome. Thanks, mom. And who else is here? Uh, Becky, again, oldest and wisest whoop, whoop. over here. <laughs> De- Debbie over here. This is younger, y- younger and smarter. <laughs> oh, we have a special, we have a special guest here. Gosh, I've come all the way from England. <laughs> We're joined by by the one and only James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> this is the 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 only son in the family, Nico. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you guys for being here and sharing all of your fabulous talents, beauty, <clears throat> accents, intelligence, healing, all the things. Today's topic is um, mental checklists, which I think is a little bit broad kind of scope here. So I thought I would just open it up and see like, how did you interpret this topic when I sent it out to you? And what does like a mental checklist or a mental task load mean to you? Um, I start first or Becky, you're going to go first. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I thought when I saw it before you sent out, you know, anything else was like, I have maybe approximately 10 mental checklists a day. (laughs) depending on the time time of day. So like first thing in the morning I have, and and, and mind you, I'm a very much like a physical checklist person, but I realized thinking on it, how many mental checklists I make and check off the box in my mind. Um, Morning, you know, afternoon when I get to certain places, right? So I get to my job. I have things mentally that I check off before. And I mean, these tasks range, you know, from as simple as in the morning, does everyone have a backpack, a lunchbox, whatever, to getting to my office? Have I said hello to everyone? Have I done this, grabbed the mail, you know, whatever. I mean, the range is pretty wide. Yeah. Yeah. What about for anybody else? Um, my mental checklist is probably a lot different than yours um, because you guys are younger and you have families to deal with. So my mental checklist is really getting up. It really starts the night before 
I kind of look at my phone and see what's on my agenda. Um, postmenopausal, so I have to keep lots of little notes to myself and alarms and alerts to keep me on task to be successful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that's kind of where I go. I start the night before for the next day and kind of see what my what the expectations are for myself, and then if there's anything to create room um, or time in my day for anything that might just pop up, um, not to overschedule myself to the point where there is no freedom in my day because I found for me that's really important to not getting overwhelmed Mm -hmm. so that's kind of my starting point with my checklist yeah definitely and I, I I like how you point out the difference in like your stage of the life cycle how it's different from all of us and I'm curious to kind of hear from Nick and Debbie too because having a brand new baby and also being you know a, a single dad and being the dad of that man of the house and not having that other like female aspect. I want to hear kind of from Nick too. So keep sharing. Um, well, I interpreted this in like two different ways. So when you first said mental checklist, I kind of immediately went back to my work when I was a social worker in the hospital and how that was very different than like the checklist I do now, you know, um, cause when we would, when we would practice this and teach it like in, you know, like mental health work with really severe illnesses, it's kind of like very basic stuff, you know, like what, like just shower, go to the bathroom, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. um, like, and now like you're teaching people this. Yeah. In, like in you're saying like, world? These, yeah. yeah. Like in order for you to like be healthy and like, you know, it's just so crazy, but, um, now just totally life has changed completely. And, um, I feel like I really relate to what Becky was saying. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I operate very similarly to that. Um, like I just like to be very structured kind of, you know, so it was, I feel like you explained it perfectly. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. When I heard mental checklist, the first thing I thought was grocery store because <laughs> I ain't taking a physical <laughs> list in that place. Yeah. Um, but I, but really that's, that's the first thing I thought. And then, um, like a lot, I feel like a lot of what you guys are saying is like, uh, like agenda type stuff that I wouldn't consider a mental checklist, but I, I guess like hearing the way you're describing it, I can see how those are mental checklists for you. Um, but I mean, so on that level, like, yeah, I mean, being a single dad, like there's an insane amount of mental checklist stuff going on from, you know, what I think like, what time do I have to be with my daughter? What time am I picking her up? What time is she being dropped off? Like, these are like super mental checklists to make sure that I'm on top of things so that I can build my schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that that probably makes a big difference for you. Like the, the times of the week when <clears throat> she's not with you. Versus when she is like, you probably stock your refrigerator different or plan your schedule different and having to make sure that you're on top of like managing your time to prepare for, for her coming in. I think that's why this topic is so interesting because it, at first I like, when I was thinking about this topic, I thought, well, how the heck am I going to make a full podcast on something just so simple? Like, yeah, we have mental checklists. It is what it is. But I think I wanted to kind of explore in the differences in everybody's life. Like, what are those invisible 
kind of mental, emotional things that you take care of that you don't really write down on your agenda or don't make a checklist on your phone that don't seem like tangible in the sense that you could hand them to somebody and say, take care of this. Like they belong to you. So, you know, have you guys experienced those things where Well, I I will tell you, Lisa, so you know this because I've been talking to you about it, but I've been listening to a lot more. um, So I don't read per se. Right. I listen to books on Audible just because that's my lifestyle. I'm always in my car. Mm -hmm. But I've been doing a lot more parenting books because I have a 10 year old who's going through puberty. Like I'm transitioning here, but I still have little ones. And frankly, um, to say this very mildly, like I do have like a very short fuse. I, I am not very patient person. So I've been listening to all these books on how to like control that. So one mental checklist that is a common theme in every parenting book and even just self-help books, not even parenting, but just be a better human is like, stop, do not react. So something happens, stop, take a deep breath, process it for a minute, think about it, then react, but not the way that maybe I normally would, right? Yell, (laughs) roll my eyes. I don't know, something, something kind of ugly that I don't want to do. Right. So that mental checklist of controlling myself and controlling my body and controlling my words and, you know, having things come out, not that they have to come out super sweet or kind, but the mental checklist of like checking yourself, Mm-hmm. has been a common theme. And like, I would say the last five books I've read, quote unquote, listened to. And it's been really interesting because first book, you know, I kind of didn't pay attention to it. Now I'm like noticing that I really am starting to like stop and do that mental checklist of, okay, think about what just happened. Think about what's appropriate to react. Think about what you're going to say. And I mean, this isn't a split second, right? This is not a five minute mental checklist, but it is helping a lot in life in general. No, that's, that's, I think that that's huge. Uh, and I mean, like I, from a different perspective, cause I'm kind of the opposite of Becky in that, like, I'm very patient, very empathetic, very, very slow. Um, I mean, obviously we all have some fire in us, but, mm-hmm. um, but I would agree. You're the opposite of me, I think too. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you're talking about like creating these mental checklists of what to go through, um, I have the opposite problem that I don't need as many mental checklists. I need physical checklists. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm good at, I'm good at mental checklists. I'm good at like going through my brain on what I need to do or how to react in situations. I, like I need physical checklists on how to like handle my day, like goals manage that have to time. be accomplished. Yeah. Manage mm-hmm. my time for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like I, um, this transitioning from working full-time in like a really hectic job to like, then just like the complete opposite, like there's no like expectation. There's nothing like we can just have whatever day we want, you know? And I feel like that's kind of some, like, I feel like Nico's lifestyle, like, you know, you had that lifestyle at one point where there really wasn't, you know, you just stay home. I very much try to always yeah. have that lifestyle. I mean, for T has been alive for four years and for about almost, almost two years of that, I've been at home with her as her main caretaker, you know? Yeah. And so the mental checklist is definitely different. I feel like I am trying to avoid getting burnt out 
um, where you start kind of having like what Becky was talking about, like those kind of like just where you're just totally done and you, I don't know, you start yelling or something. I try being like, more reactive. Yeah. Being more reactive. Be, yeah. yeah. So I feel like everything I'm trying to do in the day is to avoid that from happening. So like, it's even simple things like, Hey, make sure like you go take a walk outside today or, mm-hmm. you know, you watch an episode of your favorite show. I don't know. Things like that. Just having a little bit of that time, kind of like self-care. I think like a mental time. Check, yeah. Yeah. I think of mental checklists like I relate it so much to self-care like it's a part of self-care you know I also I want to say that like Becky that, has four kids <laughs> Becky has four kids not Becky has four kids not one so like oh it's yeah. totally yeah. totally different in that I do regard, think yeah. but I do think it's it's like four kids ten kids like with the right like self-care like what Debbie's talking about I can be a non-reactive human in a, in a kind way. I mean, you know, I don't want people to be terrified of me and by people, I mean, my little people that I made. Um, I do think what you're to your point, Debbie, like that self-care time, the me time in within a mental checklist of, okay, did I, you know, okay. Even take it back to like, the people you worked with in your social work. Yeah. Did I shower today? Okay. But no, totally. I have good hygiene, but like legit, did I shower? Did I take care of me today? Yes. yes. By starting the day off, right. And then working your way down. I mean, and if you really compare, like when you, cause we've all had those days where we didn't shower, we didn't eat. We didn't like, didn't we eat, just, it was just too chaotic, too hectic. Like we all have, are going to have those days and we've had them already. And when I compare like those days to the days where I did kind of the opposite, like I showered, I made sure I ate breakfast, like totally, I feel totally different. Yeah. And I think too, trying to normalize self-care in a way that is not like, I'm not a selfish mom just because I want to go and work out and like also take the time to make myself like a nice lunch. Like I'm not a bad person. And I think that's where my transition has come through in the last, I don't know, like right before COVID trying to like, think that that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that I deserve it Mm -hmm. kind of a thing instead of like punishing, like nobody wants me to be punished, not my husband, not my kids, you know, and and deciding that that's the right thing to do. That's the right steps to take for everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think Mm -hmm. you bring up an interesting topic here, which is sort of like this idea of, the suppression of women taking care of themselves and prioritizing their needs, right? That saying of like, put the face mask on yourself before the child, you know, in the air, the oxygen mask. Yeah. Right. And that's like, oh yeah, we say that, but how do we really exemplify that in culture and society? And I think this idea of like, I have to schedule in my own self-care into the daily schedule of the family. Is that a woman problem? Is that a mother problem? You know, for you, Nico, like how do you experience that as a single dad and like managing your household and managing your mental checklist for your family? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. And I mean, again, this is to reference that I only have one child, not four. So the needs of like the the number of needs to take care of is less. Right. But uh, I will say even Tila's mom, when she would be alone with Tila, she'd be like, oh, my God, I just haven't even showered today. I haven't gotten anything done. And I never, 
ever, ever had that problem. Never. I, you know, I was able to take care of myself and balance the needs of myself and my daughter. No, no problem. Still to this day, it's, it's, it's no problem. And now it's even easier because she's, she's four years old now. And so I can say, Hey, I need some dad time, go to your room and, and hang out or go somewhere, go on the balcony right. and hang out, go, mm-hmm. go hang out yourself, dude. <laughs> like you're, you're capable hang of that. yourself. Yeah. Like I, I don't need to be with you all the time. We're in the same space. You're fine. You're safe. Nothing's going to happen to you. And now she's exploring her space more. And so, I mean, but a good example is the, sh- the shower thing. You know, Tila's mother would be like, I haven't even showered today. And I'd be like, I just would set her in the bouncer right next to the shower and take a shower yes. with the, <laughs> you know, with a clear screen and just make silly faces at her the whole time and take care of myself. Oh, yeah. Nico, Physically, I tell I you, you are really so good, good at that. Yeah. Well, and that's a really good example of how it's so challenging for mothers and women to have that kind of thinking. And I think like, it's interesting just to see your perspective of, you know, like, oh, it's a no brainer. Of course, I'd just take a shower. Of course, I'd put the baby in the bouncer. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it was never that easy of a thought because, you know, they say um, and and I think, mom, you have some experience in this, too, because we were talking about it before. But like, we, you know, they say when the baby sleeps, you sleep. Yeah. yeah. But who's going to do the dishes and who's going to cook dinner and who's going to clean the bathrooms and who's going to, and it's kind of like, is this a new cultural thing or is this something that's been going on for a long time? Because I sure as heck know my husband's amazing, but he never thought of those things, you know, and I just, right. I just had surgery and I've been on bed rest for two days. And I, I said, if I gave you a list of things to check off, you would have done all of them, but I can't like, I can't take what's in my head and just send it to you and you know what it is. Oh my gosh, no doubt. This is, well, I just, so this brings up a really big point, right? And then this is, I know this is something you wanted to get into, but it's, it's, that's like the project management type of point, right? Like that makes you, when you have to write checklists for him, it makes you the project manager, yeah. right? And so now, now you have to be, you have to be the project manager of your own home. Like, no, I don't want to manage you. You're an adult. You're a grown ass man. You should know there's dishes in the sink. Go do those bad boys. Or you there's laundry. Go, go do that stuff. Like I'm not the project manager. And this is something that has been really difficult as a man. I will tell you in my life. And I'm really fortunate now that I have Courtney and that we have uh, an incredible level of communication in our home where she will literally tell me, I'm not your mama. (laughs) And I love that because she will not accept responsibility for for being the project manager. She's not going to take that job on. We can do it together. We can manage together, but she is not the project manager and she will never make me be the project manager. Well, and I think too, is it's, it's like for me, the shame that I feel the, the guilt, the sort of negative impact that it has on me when I push that position off, because I feel like I'm failing. I feel like I'm feeling like a failure as a mother, as a household, you know, I don't work as many hours as my husband. So I do feel like there is a shifting of household responsibilities, but when I don't take on project manager, taskless boss lady, I feel like I'm failing. You know, I think that, I think that you're right. And I, and I, I think it's interesting what Nico says, you know, how, cause that's exactly how my husband is. He's like, oh, he would never not shower. And I'll use the example of like a morning routine. He makes all the lunches, gets breakfast ready, all the things, right? Well, he still gets ready for work. 
you know, he's still ready for the day. He's still, but for whatever reason, <clears throat> I find it just horribly, um, hard <laughs> to yeah. do all of those things. And, and, um, he does it with grace. And I mean, so I've been sick the last two weeks and he literally did everything because I couldn't be around the twins because didn't want them to get sick. And we had dinner on the table every night. He still worked all day and it would almost like piss me off. Mm. Like just stop being so good. I can't handle it. Just fail. <laughs> Don't be the kids one day, please. For the love of all things holy, show me it's possible. But like he never did and he never complained a day. No, and I'm complaining about him not complaining right now on this podcast. I'm telling you right now. No, but I think that's just because we identify ourselves so much with the things we do for our family. And, right. you know, you work, you manage the practice and he works as, as the doctor in the practice. But I think that there are certain things that fall to the woman that we don't really ever talk about. And so when we're not able to do those things, cause we're sick or because we're, you know, recovering from surgery or we're freaking so tired and exhausted from taking care of a newborn baby, we just can't do it. Like we, why do we feel like we're failing and what does it take for our spouse or partner or support system to like step in? I don't know. Like, it's interesting to kind of think about it in those ways. Well, I think that in time, this is coming from my perspective, from being married 40 years and raising a family and now being on the other side of it. I think in a healthy relationship, what kind of happens naturally is that you kind of find your space or your roles within the relationship. And not that they stay that way forever, but I think depending on what your circumstances are, like Becky just said, she was sick for two weeks. So her husband stepped in and helped for those two weeks. It doesn't mean he's going to continue to do that. But right. I think, I think, um, I think what we have to also assume is a lot of things we do out of love. They're not just necessarily a mental checklist. I think we do as human beings, I think we try to do things that help everybody that keep the whole going strong, you know, um, whether we're at work or whether we're at home, our intention is to have everybody do well. And as women in general, I can't speak for Nico, but I think as women, we naturally want to do that. We want to make sure everyone's okay, including ourselves. But why and do so we want to do that? That's maybe sometimes we overdo and, and that's where we have to check ourselves, our own mental checklist, like what are our own expectations for ourselves and for others. And to be able to communicate that, like you said, Lisa, without feeling guilty or feeling bad about ourselves for maybe asking for help or maybe saying, I really don't enjoy doing this. Like if I don't enjoy doing laundry, would you mind doing the laundry? And I can take it off my mental mm -hmm. checklist because it, it creates whatever it creates. Or like Becky, you can hire someone to help clean your home so that that time isn't spent the mental checklist again, worrying about is the house going to get done? So I think that's really the key right. is finding the rhythm uh, that works for you and then leaving room for change and being mm -hmm. okay when someone I, says, you know, I'm kind of tired of yeah. doing the laundry every week. Can you do it for a month? And being flexible in that, I think that helps. Or even at work, you know, maybe there's a task um, or something that happens, you know, that that could be given to someone else and taken off your mental checklist. You know, I think a part of it also is, though, is like the way the way that if you don't, if like I will, I know this for a fact, 
if Annalise doesn't accomplish something on her mental checklist, it can bring her anxiety, right? Like that's what you literally just said. Right. So, but for me, if I don't accomplish something on my mental checklist, like shit, we just didn't get to it today. Like Mm -hmm. whatever. I didn't get to laundry. I didn't get to laundry. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to wear, I'm just going to wear board shorts then like no underwear today. Like that's just the way it is. And, and I don't beat myself up that I didn't get to the laundry. And now what I love is that I have a partner that also doesn't beat me up or beat herself up that she didn't, that we didn't get to the laundry. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. like, that's coexisting together. We're, 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 we're in that like, Oh, neither one of us had mental space or time or energy to pick up that that task. Oh, great. Then we did it. Whatever. Move on. Well, and I think you know? we've really focused on like the surface of these sort of day-to-day or, you know, even week-to-week things like dishes, laundry, Monday, lunch yeah. for the kids. These are all like things that are tangible and they're really easy to hold on to and see. And I think for most of us, they do become like habitual, right? Like, you know, your kids have to eat lunch every day. Your partner knows they have to eat lunch every day. You manage that well, you communicate about that. Well, laundry. Yes. Dishes. Yes. I think there are so many things that go unspoken and are invisible and are things that we keep in our head as a catalog. Like when do I need to buy diapers? What, what gifts am I getting for my kids' teachers for Christmas? Um, they have a field trip coming up. I need to make sure that they have the right boots out and, uh, money to buy pumpkins as a pumpkin, like all those things, who thinks of all those things? Are they important? Are they worth being concerned about? And like, how do we deal with that? Right. That's what I was saying earlier about leaving space in your schedule to not overscheduling yourself to the point where there's no flexibility. Because even those other things, like I'm worried about a friend, I need to check on a friend or a neighbor or like you, Lisa, someone who just had surgery, I need to leave space in my schedule to be able to, to have that, to be present enough to remember those things. Well, you know, no, and I think that problem, the problem that I'm trying to allude to is that the load generally falls on one person more than the right. other. And so like, 100%, 100%. why am I more consumed? And I think you can relate to this Nico in your life. Yeah. It's for, for our, you know, our discussion here, it's not just a woman issue because I think you experience this issue as well. Why why am I the only one consumed with these thoughts of what my kids' teachers' presents are going to be for Christmas or, you know, uh, the play date that's being scheduled for little, you know, Johnny to be with so-and-so and they're going to play and do this. And I need all these things. And I have all this list of things I need to get for their play date. Right. Or, right. you know, you- on and on and on. And there's so many things when, when I have to think outside of myself and plan and say, okay, I know all these things are coming up. I need to ask my partner to do them with me. That is exactly what Nick's talking about. That makes me the project manager. And that makes me responsible for making sure these things get done. Yeah. I tell Nathan all the time, if I gave you a checklist, you would get every single thing on that checklist done. Why am I in charge of the checklist? So I think you're like, you're talking about something very interesting to me. And um, I wonder if it's like a personality trait that some people fall into these roles. Cause I'm going to be completely honest with you. I love being the project manager of the house. So I don't like, yeah, like it does typically fall like maybe more on women than men. I would say maybe, I don't know, but I don't know if that's just like part of personalities. I don't know, because I really enjoy that part. Um, of kind of having the control. And I know that's a part of my personality. 
but control. I wonder though when there if there will be a time when ha- like when you need to depend on your partner and they don't know what to do because you've had all the control. You know what I'm saying? Like if yeah, you went back to sure. work and you were both working, because that's how Nathan and I are right now, where we're and, both working, and, and it's like, wait, can't you do all these things too? And I will say, Lisa, that that that's something that I learned from my first marriage is that it's not. I cannot take it all on. I can't. And now, mm-hmm. and now, like in a weird, different way, I take it on for two separate families. <laughs> but, but I, I mean, now I don't beat myself up about it. And I think that that's the key. That's where it lies in. It's like, you know, oh crap, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't get this done. Like we just didn't, we didn't have time or, or maybe, you know, my, my partner dropped the ball or maybe I dropped the ball, but in the end, it's all good. It's all gravy. Well, the world's going to go on, you know? And, and this is, this is one of the biggest reasons Uh, I'm sure most of you guys know this about me, but I don't really give gifts. I'm not a, I'm not a gift giver. Um, and people are always like, you know, kind of like, like, what do you mean? You don't give gifts. I'm like, I just really don't give gifts. It's not my mm-hmm. thing. You know why? Because you, go, you give great gifts. an incredible amount of stress. It, I, I do when I give them, but I don't need a reason to give them. And, oh. and cause it puts too much stress on me and it, and it, and it makes me anxious. It makes me feel some type of way where <laughs> the giving is just totally lost its reward, you know? So it's like, I mean, in a to. long way though, mm-hmm. because I had to. Right. And so we're talking about all these mental checklists and it's like, you know, I just, I think that putting stress on yourself to be perfect or to be the image of someone else, mm-hmm. or even to be perfect for yourself, that like all of that, like th- that's where the stress comes from. It's, you know, it's not necessarily the mental checklist. Right. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I think it comes, there is some maturity involved there too. Like, and, um, you know, the people that you surround yourself with and how they make you feel, um, like you're enough kind of a thing. Um, and I do think as I've gotten older, I I always wanted to be perfect. And I have, there are areas of my life that I've eased off of that because, frankly, I am happy with the way that I am, you know, um, that being said, I, I do like to be in charge. Like what Debbie's saying, Mm -hmm. there is a part of me that likes to be in charge there. It's just that I'm in charge in my personal life and my work life. Cause my husband and I work together and sometimes you do want to be mothered you know, uh, and not by your mother. I mean, my mother is here and she would mother me if I asked her, that's not the person I necessarily want to be mothered by. Right. So, um, well, and I wonder if the word you're looking for is nurtured. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely nurtured. Yeah. yeah. Nurtured. And Sometimes probably by your husband, taken care of. I would assume. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. And yeah. he would like Lisa saying he would, if I asked him. Yeah. Well, and I think this goes back to the, the idea of, kind of cultural messages. How was, how was your husband nurtured and that modeled for him? And is that how he's going to nurture you? Because I realized in my experience with having surgery and being in recovery, you know, on bed rest, not able to do anything. I felt so useless, but Nathan, he took care of me in ways that I think 
were modeled for him, very like structured. You know, he was on time every four hours with the medication. I got your medicine. You need water. You need water. I got you water here. Let me move the blankets for you. And he would like put them in an awkward way on my legs and I couldn't kick them off. And I was like, Oh God, he's trying so hard. But it was like, that's not what nurturing was for me. And so I think this goes back to what mom was saying about communication, like to expect Nathan to know what I need. That's impossible. He can't read my mind. And so to giving that grace of like communicating, Hey, this is how I need to be nurtured and allowing him to kind of figure that out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, I think that, um, I think cultural has a big play in how we all kind of navigate, you know, tasks and responsibility and caring for our partners and our family. Like we are all, I think, in our family, especially, we all are doing it. We're all moving towards the same goal. We're just kind of taking these different pathways to get there. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally agree. I think, and I think some of us are like, you know, some of us are, are fast paced. Like I think of Becky's lifestyle. Like it's just so fast paced. Like kids got baseball, soccer, gymnastics, uh, ba- you know, basketball. And then they got to go to like music lessons. And then they, and right. then Becky's got to do this. And then, that oh, I'm, we got too much. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I'm like, I'm like genuinely, I'm like, we have dinner plans tonight. Like, oh my God, I just don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> Nico, I really relate to you on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like so also, like I have a really hard time, and this is something that uh, you know, my partner, um, she she's on me all the time about it. But and I've always had this problem. But when I'm in play mode or I'm having fun or I'm in my zone, I go to like a different planet where time moves in a way different way, right? Like, so like one hour in my planet is like 10 hours on earth, you know, and I just totally lose track of time and I get lost in the moment in anything I'm doing, you know? And so I, I have a hard time with structure in the, in that realm. <laughs> That's so funny. That is a, a blessing and a curse. Although I have often said, I wish I could be like that. I just, I can't, I can't be like that. I don't know how to get to that place. Maybe I need more therapy or something, but like, I really, I can't get to that I just don't give a... (laughs) No, really. I mean, you don't. I, and I'll say this to you. I've said it to you, Becky, too. Like, I wish I could just be unaware. You know, I... I, Unaware would be good. Oh God, I just wish I could not notice stuff. You know, I'll like walk through the house and I'll notice 10,000 things that I want to like add to that mental checklist. And I wish I could just go to a different planet like Nico does and not notice anything and not notice. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck those things. But I, I mean, I, sometimes I walk in and the house is like an absolute, just like, and I mean, we live in 900 square feet, right? Like Southern California. Like, I don't know if you know, but it's expensive out here. Uh, and so, I mean, we live in like 900 square feet. So like, you know, any type of mess is like in your face. And so, you know, sometimes you're just like, Holy cow. I can't deal with that. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> I'm going to go to the one clean space I have. <laughs> yeah, I could see that that appeal there. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Well, was there well, anything else you guys wanted to add about, you know, mental checklists and your... Um, um, I don't know, just that I think that it's important for your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what they are, you know, we've talked about a variety of them, but if you're not doing them, 
um, like, how are you getting through your life? I don't mm-hmm. know. I do but like maybe- that we've brought up a variety of different types, like from the day-to-day, like self-care to like in the moment, stopping yourself from reacting checklists and to these like kind of sweeping across your life checklists of like big tasks over long periods of time that you're kind of managing in your head and how they, I think it really all comes back to like being aware, right? You have to have some awareness to, to use these. Like you're saying, Becky, like you just, there's right. has to be some sense of awareness. And I think having conversations with the people in your life are really important. Yeah, communicating. Mm-hmm. I think communicating is the key to being able to even know how to create your checklist. I think that's really important to know your limits, you know, and to also know your strengths. I think, you know, a lot of times we don't do things and we probably could do them really well, but we don't think about it because maybe we don't have the confidence or something else. But I think it's really to know yourself and your needs and also being able to articulate that to the people that are important in your life, whether that's an employee or your spouse, your children, your friendships, being able to communicate what you really need and not being so apologetic for it or being hard on yourself. Because at the end of the day, if you're not authentic or true to yourself, nothing's going to make you happy. You know, anything anyone does, if it's, if you didn't communicate it, like you said, Lisa, no one can read your mind. So I think that is maturity, but it's also what Debbie said too, certain personalities are better at certain things or don't enjoy certain things. And I think we have to respect that. So it's really important. I think the most important thing is to communicate what your needs are so you can make a good, healthy checklist. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, you know, on top of that, just knowing you deserve it to communicate it. Right, right, Mm -hmm. right. But just because it's a priority to you doesn't mean it's a priority to everyone. Exactly. No, if if Nico and I were married and I was like, okay, Nico, we got to get this done and this and this and this, he'd be like, no, we don't. None (laughs) of that shit has to be done. And I would have to be okay with that, you know? (laughs) Well, I think there is some sense of letting go of control. But I think there is also accountability on, on everyone's side. Like as much yeah. as you let go of that control, your partner recognizes having some cleanliness reduces your anxiety. And so it's this give and take and this constant push and pull, but it all requires that awareness and communication. Right. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. It, re- it definitely requires that communication. And I mean, also it, it requires teamwork right? Like teamwork, whoever's in your circle. I mean, you know, unless you're, unless you are like a hundred percent on your own, which, you know, in our situation, none of us are, but um, you know, it, it, it requires, it definitely requires teamwork to, to, to say, you know, these, these are the, this is the list. You have to communicate the list of things that's going on inside your head and, and get on the same page and then work towards the common, the common goal. Mm -hmm. Right. Compromise. Yes. Compromise. (laughs) Yeah. I I'd say like being like everything. I agree with everything. Everyone's saying, um, just to ask for help and to openly communicate. Like that's something that I'm really working on. Like I have all this stuff in my head and I like 
being in charge and being in control, but I have to let some of that go in order to meet my needs to be okay. You know? Um, so I'm working on it and I'm aware of it. It's hard though, sometimes, but (laughs) I, I, uh, I want to chime in really quick because this is something that I've really changed in my, in the way I speak. And I think language is so important. And so as a couples therapist, you know, there's been things that Anyway, so mom, you were talking about compromise, right? I think you and Nico were talking about compromise and how compromise is important. And something that I think is really useful and beneficial is making a shift in language from compromise to negotiate. Because in a relationship, when you compromise, it means somebody is losing. Someone is giving up something. Whereas in a negotiation, you both win. You both are going towards the same thing. Right. It's but are, not, we, yeah, really are we really winning? Are we really winning? And that's and that's teamwork. That's the teamwork portion of that that I'm saying is that we gotta we gotta align through communication to be on the same team to work towards a common goal. Yeah. Right. It's not about right. yeah. You're right. It's not about compromise. I don't want to compromise, and I'm not very good at compromising and uh, <laughs> like at all. And but so, I'll negotiate. Yeah. But I will negotiate. Right. So. Okay. I like that. I like that. Okay. So before we all have to go, I really do like sharing the um, the uh, current news or current event. So um, let's start with Debbie Dew. What is something that is on your radar right now? Um, so I don't know who else likes trashy TV. I definitely love trashy TV. Yep, I'm here for it. Um, so I just uh, watched the most recent episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, um, the tell-all part one, and it got a little spicy. Um, I love that show, but I brought that up because I'm really excited to see Halloween Kills, the new movie. (laughs) Oh, with Kyle Richards. Yeah, with Kyle Richards. Yeah, it's like the same cast as the original, uh, original Halloween. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and maybe we need to have like a family time uh, podcast episode where we talk about watching Halloween kills because I'm so excited about it. Yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> Y'all are Becky's crazy. Like, Hell Don't no. sign me up. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> no. All right. uh, Becky, I'll tell you something going on. Um, cool. So New Mexico United soccer team, which is like a big deal here, <laughs> is trying to build a, a stadium, which you know, I think would be really awesome for our community. And, um, but they're getting more backlash than I expected. I will tell you that. Uh-huh. So it's been interesting. Um, we have a mayoral race going on right now. Um, we're getting soon to voting day, but, um, the whole thing's just been really interesting. We also have a homeless hub going up. Mom knows about that. It's over in her soon to be not neighborhood, um, late neighborhood, if you will. But, um, there's like a lot going on here that I think could really, in the end, if things come to fruition, like really affect this community in a really positive way. Yeah. And so, um, it's just been, I've been watching. It won't happen. I'm really sorry. It won't happen. Uh, Annalise Annalise and I talked for about 45 minutes about this. uh, Oh, no way. Was it yesterday or something? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I, I was in an airport. I just got back from Florida and I was traveling for like 12 hours. Um, and so I had a lot of time to read and man, I, let me just tell you that I love New Mexico as a state. It's an incredible state. Uh, I mean, it's so culturally rich. It's so artistic. 
Um, and, I mean, it's just an amazing state and I love being from there and I, I hate not saying good things about it, but it, they cannot embrace growth. They cannot embrace development. They, never they cannot embrace to, change. Know. It just, as a state, it just can yeah. not do it. And it's so frustrating, especially you're a small business owner, a successful small business owner there. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's tough for you to see the state continue to say stagnant. I mean, it's, there's a reason it's 50th in education. There's a reason well, that it's 49th in poverty. It's there's true, a reason, Nick. Yeah. There's a reason for these things is because well, think about they it. reject growth. Our, we were, the reason it's so true is just look at us versus like Phoenix, Scottsdale area. Yeah, we were tw- 25 years ago, they 20 were the same years size. ago. Yeah. 25 years ago, they were the same. Albuquerque was the same size as Phoenix. So and now the, look, yeah, we could be, yeah. I love Scottsdale. We have better weather. Way I mean, better weather, way better weather. And not that's that, frustrating, but yeah, I, mean, I will say, of course, I am hoping for the stadium y'all, but Me I too. Don't, I'm with you. I don't know that it's going to happen. Why um, can't, why can't they just choose a location that nobody's upset about? Because it's, well, doesn't no, it's not exist. the location. It's the money. Oh, and it's not just the money. It is the location. But here's the problem is that if you put that stadium out on the West side with all those other big, beautiful stadiums that no one ever goes to, you're not, it's not going to be successful for the community. It's not going to drive the revenue. And, and, you know, I mean, look, location, location, location. This is what we preach in every business and everything that we do. It, it matters. It matters dramatically. And they're trying to impact and create a sense of community you know, through the art deco and, and, you know, collaborative business fronts and all this different stuff that they need people to be around it. And, and that's not going to happen out in the middle of the boonies. And so it's, it's not just necessarily about money. It's about location and they have, they have a great location. And unfortunately part of that is in a historic community. Um, But I mean, the, the problem is, is that the, the stadium on paper financially is, uh, incredible investment for the state and the city. Um, it's the same exact process that the isotope stadium was bought under. Um, so it's financially very, very, very feasible for New Mexico United to be profitable and for the stadium to be profitable for the They've city. They've already shown that they'll be profitable. Like, I don't get it. Well, I mean, being profitable in your first two years is different than being profitable in your eight, right? Like, I think that this, the community is saying, well, we have crime, we've got homelessness, we've all, all this stuff. But what they're not realizing is that this isn't taking out of the budgets of those things. Those budgets. I mean, we have huge budgets for police officers, but we can't get police officers. Yeah, they, they're trying. They just uh, like two hundred million dollars for police officers. And here's the problem is that a lot of people in those areas, they believe that what New Mexico United is trying to do is gentrify those communities, those historic communities. I think ultimately, though, it'll come down to the vote because a lot of people, a lot of people will say online and they'll say on a post on a news thread something and then they'll vote something different. And so I think that, you know, I think the vote will be very interesting. Yeah, this was a conversation over coffee this morning. The vote is going to be narrow. It's going to be tight. Mm-hmm. The vote is going to be very, very, very tight. Well, and it get has, out vote. <laughs> yeah, it has long lasting effects yes, for New Mexico. Do we, do we vote for this in November? Is this when we vote for this? It should be. Yeah, it'll be on the ballot. ballot. Okay, yes. cool. If All I right, could Nico, vote. anything you want to share? 
Me, um, I'm just what's on my radar is living up here in uh, near the the mountains. Um, and with her favorite daughter, I'm like with somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and just getting to know this community up here. Um, I haven't lived up here in over 30 years or 25 years, 25 years, and so um, I'm excited to to get outside and get into nature and, and do all those things. And maybe look, maybe doing some volunteering or something like that. Um, my next chapter. So I'm excited for all of that. That's kind of what's on my radar, getting settled and spending time and traveling and all those fun things. Yeah. Very so, cool. Yeah. Nico, was there anything else you wanted to share um, outside of New Mexico United? Um, yeah, no, just real quick. I mean, on my radar is there's some really, really strict COVID, um, protocols coming down into LA County. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We spent a lot of time in LA County, but now it's, you're going to have to show your vaccination card to get into restaurants, um, and things like things of that nature. Uh, I I mean, I won't, I won't elaborate it on a, a ton right now, but you know, just on my radar is, is COVID and, and kind of all the various, um, you know, protocols and and things that are going to change in kind of the areas that I frequent. So mm-hmm. cool. Okay. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that changes uh, everywhere. Forward. I think COVID protocols are going to start changing everywhere. Yeah. I think they yeah. are too. I do. And too. based off these new rules, LA not County here. Will be the, <laughs> LA Except County will be the most aggressive. Uh, it'll have the strictest COVID protocols in the world. Sounds like it. Well, I think you're going to start, you know, the Southwest um, situation last weekend, I think is just an example of what's going to happen. You're going to see a lot of people not show up to work or take their sick time or take their vacation time and see if this blows over. But, you know, if if 35 percent of the police department is not vaccinated or the what do you call them? First responders, the firemen and police. If 35 percent of them are not vaccinated, can you imagine L.A. County, if those people can't come to work, what are they going to do? You know, you're going to call 911 and there's going to be no ambulance to come or there's going to be no. Well, I do think fire department. I do think there were there's going to be big changes. And I think that, you know, especially in places like L.A. County, we're just going to have to watch and see how it plays out. And it'll be interesting, Nico, for you living so close and on the outside of it, how it changes your interaction with their community. Yeah. 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 So and I me, mean, Oh, sorry. Go I, ahead. No, no. And from, I mean, for me, like, here's the thing. I have no problem. I've said this from the start. Like I have no problem showing my vaccination card. I have no problem going to mandatory vax events. I have no problem protecting my neighbors. I have no problem with that, you know? So I, I, I also understand why people would have a problem. And I, I mean, like I respect both ends of the argument, but like, I think that it's incredibly strict protocols that they're trying to put in place to say like, right, mom, you're saying people are going to take their sick time. They're going to do this. They're not going to work. I mean, how long can you not work? Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that is truly the question. Like people have mortgages, people have rent, like how long can you not work? Well, and that, that's kind of along the lines of what was on my radar right now are the strikes that have been happening. I know with um, like in Hollywood, there was the big strike that they just resolved. I think yesterday or this morning with the studios, 
uh, Hollywood studio and like just offering them a living wage, the employees that work at the, the filming studio and like a living wage, a long enough time for food breaks, you know, basic Hours, things, yeah. yeah, basic things that you would think like employees would provide. And so the union struck, and then even at like John Deere, the tractor company, they're having a strike too. Um, because the employees there are like, we're not being paid a living wage. We're not getting our benefits that we were promised. And so I think it's kind of interesting People are starting to, to rise up. Yeah. It's like the movie, me, then you got to deliver your part. Yeah. The movie industry is affect. It will affect New Mexico. Yeah, because yes. they've they're but really. I think here. it will get resolved quickly. I think it will get resolved quickly myself. Well, you know, like in John Deere, in the John Deere case, they during COVID, their profits went up billions of dollars. Oh, and yeah. they because people are mowing their own lawns. <laughs> right. Well, seriously, the CEO gave himself an increase. I think of fifteen point six million dollar um, annual pay increase, and the employees didn't get they're still not getting the benefits they were promised. So it's like, yeah, this is not this. You can't get away with this kind of stuff in this world. And so I, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I thought it was, it was interesting that you have to now fight for a living wage. So all these things that are kind of just coming it's up ridiculous. for me. Ridiculous. And coming from a business owner perspective, if you don't want to give your employees benefits to make their life better and basic benefits, medical PTO, stuff like that, you are, a bad human. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know another way to tell you the fact well, that you're not you going to get the best from your employees either. You're not going to get, well, you're not, not, even bad, you're not yeah. going to get the best, but you are ugly. Like these people work really hard every day. I mean, this is, that's yeah, and wild. I, I think that you just shouldn't be a business owner if you don't have that outlook on employees. And I totally agree with you. Wild man. I feel like we could just have like a part two where we just talk about current events in the news. You guys yeah, so like well-spoken and educated. <laughs> it's very yeah. fun to talk to you. I think I if mean, we dipped down too far into the news, we would see our different points of view, though. <laughs> well, it's it's crazy hearing from Nick because like Annalise and I living in Texas, I mean, we had we just had the opposite thing happen. Um, our governor just completely outlawed any um, private um, business from mandating vaccines or mask wearing or like anything like that. Well, and I'll wild. tell you what, I feel like living on a military base We're I'm in the wild west, right? And everyone else around me is like normal, normal. And we're the ones that are like the outcasts <laughs> because we're wearing masks and we're following the federal rules. So yeah, I will, I would definitely agree with you, Debbie. Texas is a whole different reality compared to the rest of the world. And I'm not going to touch on this like a lot, but so this morning, uh, so, you know, Tottenham's playing Newcastle, um, uh, soccer. Right. And, uh, you know, Courtney was like, where is Newcastle in regards to England? Right. So I pulled up a map and I showed her. And as I pull up the map, you could see just how close Paris was to London. And she's like, is Paris really that close to London? I was like, yeah, hundred percent. And then, you know, here's Amsterdam and here's Brussels. And, and she's like, holy cow, they're all so close and there's so many roads and stuff. And I was like, oh yeah. And then we move over and we look at the U S and you're like, I was just in Florida. I was light years away from California. <laughs> like I was just oh, yeah. outside Miami. Right. And I mean, I was so far away culturally, um, you know, geographically everything like it's, it, it's, it's nuts how vast this country is and just how different each region is. Yeah. Yeah, for true. sure. <laughs> 
definitely. And you, I mean, did, you can't even say it. it's East Coast, West Coast, because it's not even that. I would say the middle of the country is more from like similar in their thinking, the middle of the United States, but the two ends are kind of different, you know, depending on where you are on that north or I south. Think, I know? think the whole, like you can't even the every southwest, like we were saying every earlier, state has its Arizona. Arizona is so different from New Mexico and we're neighboring right. states. So every yeah. Nevada, look at Nevada, look at Colorado is very different than, than New Mexico. Texas is very different yeah. than Louisiana. Like, yeah, I'm not talking about political views. I'm talking like about cultural, like right. the way they go about things like mm-hmm. Texas right. is totally different than Louisiana. Yeah. Well, um, you know, not to cut everybody off, but I think we have to find an endpoint here today because yeah, we could cut talk us for off, hours. Please. I need another cut, cup of coffee, you guys. Um, <laughs> I got to go recover. <laughs> yes, I really Thank appreciate you guys. you guys being here. I'm looking forward to our next um, podcast, which uh, for for you all and for our listeners, the next podcast will record in November after Halloween, and it's going to be privacy versus secrets. Oh, I, bring up some interesting I like that. I cannot wait for that one. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I'm so excited. All of these. I don't know. Like, I'm ready. Naughty. Oh, naughty. Oh, we're going to get some naughty. Oh, I need to make sure that's children. Trust me, my naughty is not but are we inviting I, dad are we inviting dad oh, to that one? Oh my god i will I, conspiracy theory no we're not I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a little more than coffee if we're inviting dad to privacy versus secrets <laughs> maybe That's we'll do that one at night one. with wine oh i'm down yeah i'm down <laughs> all right well i look right. forward to it and i love you guys thanks for coming love you bye you. bye bye If you want to hear more, please subscribe. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MFT. If you'd like to share a story about your family, you can email me at contact at AnnaliseLuceroMFT.com. I'm a licensed and trained marriage and family therapist but this podcast is not a replacement for therapeutic advice. If you need help finding a therapist, visit psychologytoday.com to find a therapist in your area.